Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Emmy. Julie, we are, what, 0 for 3? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I just, I feel like I just got to say it just out there. I want to have full transparency with our listeners. You guys, I, I, listen, we go as hard for, no, I have to say it. We go as hard for the Kardashians as anybody possibly could. And I would watch any single thing that they put up. Absolutely. However, let's just get it out there before we even start. These episodes are lacking depth and the optimist inside of me is going to choose to believe that it's because something really big is coming. But Julie, I just want to get that out there ahead of time. No, I know. And you're right. And I do think there's a possibility that you and I, our expectations are a little high. A, because we were watching all of the old episodes going into this. And B, because coming off of Chloe and Tristan and the fight last season and all of these other plot lines, like everything else in this does lack, lack a lot of depth. Um, but I think there is a possibility that it'll pick up. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be something huge because the show is a reflection of their lives. And I can't think of anything that would kind of come up in this episode that we wouldn't be expecting. But I think there's some things that we could get really good behind the scenes of. Maybe not as big as last season, maybe not as big as the season before that with Tristan and everything going on, but I think there's still something there. You're right. I guess that's a better way to look at it behind the scenes wise. And I also think you're right. Our personally, our perception is a little warped. One coming off of watching seasons one and two, also all of us just generally as watchers from, you know, the Kim and Courtney feud and the Chloe, Tristan, Jordan stuff that we saw last season and the season before. So there's that. And then I think for us, you know, we don't just watch the episodes mindlessly anymore. Now we're watching them through the lens of we're doing a podcast on this. And so obviously we're going to have the best time ever. I'm excited to do it. I just, 
I guess I notice myself being far more critical than I ever was previously because I'm constantly looking for things to analyze. But then I realize there is quite literally nothing in the world of Kardashians that we couldn't analyze. Exactly. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So we're going to get into it like always scene by scene, but we just wanted to mention this because this happened right before we started recording. And I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, all of you know, but this is, um, this is just really, really hard and sad and heartbreaking. And I feel like we should at least briefly speak on it. I also want to give a trigger warning for um, infertility, miscarriage, stillborn, any pregnancy complications. But as you all know, Chrissy Teigen was pregnant with her and John Legend's third child. And she had been incredibly transparent about the journey, both the exciting parts of pregnancy and also the parts that were a little bit more nerve wracking. Most recently, she went into the hospital. She was losing a lot of blood. She was keeping her followers really up to date. And I should mention, not that she had to do that. It was a personal choice that she allowed us all in on. And I do think we all collectively kind of had this um, moment where the air left our bodies when we realized that she had gone on 13, 15 or so hours without posting. I know at least between our little group chat, Julie, Isabel, and I found ourselves really anxious about what was going on. And then just now she posted on Instagram a series of black and white photos of her and John in the hospital And I'm going to read the caption because, again, I'm sure all of you read it, but I do think it's different hearing it. She said, we are shocked and in the kind of deep pain you only hear about, the kind of pain we've never felt before. We were never able to stop the bleeding and give our baby the fluids he needed, despite bags and bags of blood transfusions. It just wasn't enough. We never decide our baby's names until the last possible moment after they're born, just before we leave the hospital. But we, for some reason, had started to call this little guy in my belly Jack. So he will always be Jack to us. Jack worked so hard to be a part of our little family, and he will be forever. To our Jack, I'm so sorry that the first few moments of your life were met with so many complications that we couldn't give you the home you needed to survive. We will always love you. Thank you to everyone who's been sending us positive energy, thoughts, and prayers. We feel all of your love and truly appreciate you. We are so grateful for the life we have, for our wonderful babies, Luna and Miles, for all the amazing things we've been able to experience. But every day, every day can't be full of sunshine. On this darkest of days, we will grieve, we are we will cry our eyes out, but we will hug and love each other harder and get through it. Oh. Oh. Yeah, you know, this is just it's just really sad. I, I I understand that this happens, and I think after this we saw an outpouring of women who have experienced similar things or the same things, but the way what was so unique about this situation was the way that they allowed us as the public in. And so you felt personally invested, which is why I really saw it at least from our followers or people in our Patreon group, like people felt personally affected by this tragedy because of how much we were, how excited we were for this child because of how much of the excitement they allowed us to feel, you know? Right. Well, you know, Chrissy's transparency is kind of like her superpower in a lot of ways. Um, But there's so much that comes from that. And especially, you know, previously, she had been really, really open about experiencing postpartum depression. And I remember that being something that so many women were tweeting about and writing about saying that, like, they were so embarrassed to come forward with those feelings. And once Chrissy did, you know, it really helped them. So I think that there's so many elements of Chrissy where she feels 
I don't want to say an obligation to be transparent, but I think knows the positive outcome that it could have, even though it seems kind of detrimental to her in the moment. So I think that taking us along with this journey was just another example of that. But because we were so with her for it, I think that a lot of us felt like we were really grieving it. And I think a lot of us were on edge because we were so nervous and maybe a little bit expecting that this could happen. So yeah, it was just a really, really heartbreaking, dark, tough thing to watch unfold. And probably the most, I I think the most intimately we have felt a part of a celebrity's life. I, I think that's beautifully said. We, this is, you know, but by the way, Julie, not just a celebrity. Um, I, of course that, that was unique because that never really happens, but even just people in your life, you know, your family, friends, your friends, your acquaintances, you don't normally get this deep of a look. You don't normally get that from the hospital. And I think, you know, people have been critical of that, which I think is just wildly unfair because everybody chooses to deal with these, these things differently. And I'm talking before this even occurred, you know, of course, when she's in the hospital, that's scary. It's just her and John there. And people deal with that nervous energy differently. And I think for Chrissy, sharing things with her followers, with her supporters has been comforting for her. And that's what she chose to do. And that she continued to do after after this happened. And like, I just want to say, I think it is really not only disgusting, but just unfair the way that people are so quick to judge the way that they're handling this. And we posted earlier today um, a tweet from Zelda Williams, Robin Williams's daughter, that said, however someone chooses to grieve publicly or privately is valid. Grief will fill a room if you let it and spill out of every window and door. Let people grieve however they choose, not however you believe they should, and hope the world returns the favor for you one day. And when we saw that, we just thought it was um, such a perfect sentiment to explain you know, what's going on right now, because it's no one else's place. Yes, they just so happen to be celebrities, but it is no one else's place ever to tell someone how they should be grieving, specifically the loss of their, their child. Um, and I, you know, I, I just, it was very disturbing. Um, and I, I do feel like it's, it's, we have an obligation, not only an obligation, I want to, I want to say that because I feel strongly, but, um, you know, people deal with things differently. You can't ever judge someone's process. No, and I think that's something that's really important for people to know that they probably don't know is that just going off of what you were saying about just the shit that they got, which was just so disgusting and and unfathomable. But when stillborns are, are born, it's encouraged that you take a photo because it'll be the photo, the only photo that you really get to have. It's a part of the grieving process and it's part of the healing process. So it's not like Chrissy is the exception here in doing this. It's something that's really, really encouraged that I'm sure people wouldn't know unless they had gone through that experience themselves. Yeah, totally. And to be honest with you, I wasn't, I wasn't so familiar with that until, of course, this made me look into it. And I realized that stillborn photography is actually very, very common. Um, yeah. there's actually people that do it. I was reading a whole article about people that do it without even charging. Just, they feel like it's the, you know, the, yep. the, the biggest blessing or the biggest gift that they could give those parents. And, you know, that's not to say there, I am sure, I don't know. I, I'm not a mother. I've never experienced this type of loss or really any birth of a child, but 
I'm sure there are people that go through this and find it too traumatic and too hard to have a tangible memory of this experience. And that's fine too. So I just think in general, if we could all collectively work to not judge people for handling both their grief and their happiness, it would just be a much more productive and, and kind society. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we mentioned that. And I, I also wanted to say that, um, if you found yourself, even if you have never personally been affected by this, but if you found yourself feeling really a deep sadness, almost, um, I know Julie, you started to feel like, you know, anxious, like, like nauseous, like just so upset. And you start to almost question yourself for feeling that. Cause you don't personally know Chrissy. I know we got a lot of messages. I just want to, um, urge you to be kind with yourself because that's okay. It's a very normal thing that happens when, you witness um, someone you feel like you know go through something and they've been so transparent, that's not a bad thing. That shows that you're an empathetic, compassionate person. So I wouldn't judge yourself for feeling more connected than you feel like you were, quote, warranted to be. That's okay. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And also I think that it it takes on a kind of another life when when you bring children into the equation. And I think that's why it also hits really hard. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. So anyway, um, okay. Let's do it, shall we? You know, kind of a weird uh, switching of... Yeah, weird transition, but... Weird transition, but what else are we going to do? So, yeah. okay, we start out with Scott, Chloe, Malika, and Khadija playing, I believe, racquetball. Don't really know exactly what the sport was, but we're just going to call it racquetball. I also have to say... Walmart tennis. <laughs> yeah, pickleball, racquetball, tennis, whatever you want to call it. Um, great crew, by the way, not one we see so often. And this kind of sets us up for the plot line that... Scott is really not feeling like himself. So Chloe's kind of making fun of the fact that this is the most strenuous activity Scott's ever done. And in his confessional, he says, lately I've just had no energy to do anything. Like I wake up and I'm just shot. I don't have the drive to get up and run around with my girlfriend and my kids. I just don't have the energy. I don't know if I'm getting old or I'm just not in great shape, but I just want to see if there's anything wrong with me. This is embarrassing and probably speaks to, or definitely speaks to the way that my brain just immediately thinks Scott and Courtney. But of course, when he said girlfriend, I immediately thought Courtney and then had to remind myself he was talking about Sophia. I know. I, I mean, like I, I didn't go through that because I was thinking very logically about the timeline, but I weirdly had a feeling that that was going to happen to you. Yeah. I don't know what is wrong with me. I have all the facts yet. My mind still wanders. Um, and then, <laughs> and the second thing I wanted to say was before Scott even said anything, I, you could tell he does look a little bit tired, a little bit drawn. He didn't, not in his confessional, but in the scene, he didn't exactly look like himself. No, you could tell that something was definitely off. He was very lethargic and very like drawn almost. Yeah. Something was, something was definitely off with him. Yeah. So that kind of introduces us to what we're going to experience throughout the episode. So the next scene, it's Chloe and Kim and they're at Chloe's house. And this I actually thought was interesting because this entire conversation plays into what we constantly talk about where we saw a news story heavily reported in the media. We never got the behind the scenes. And listen, was this a huge deal? No, but just hearing Kim and Chloe's conversation about it, I still thought was interesting and something that I'm going to miss for Kardashians. So yeah, definitely. They're having the conversation about that infamous Laker Cavs game from January 15th of this year where Kim and Kanye were sitting front row, I believe next to Courtney Cox. And there were the reports that she was booing Tristan. So Chloe says, how was the game? Kim says, good. I just hated the reports that they were like, ooh, Kim was booing Tristan. Like I was literally standing up going, go Tristan. 
And in her confessional, Chloe says, my family, you know, we all mean really well. I know Kim has the best intentions and I know that my family just comes from a loving place and there's no malintent. With all that being said, Tristan and I are in a good place right now. So I'm just happy everything seems easy. And that Chloe, made no sense, by the way, before you continue. I think what she was trying to say was, I know my sisters always mean well. However, when Tristan and I aren't doing well, that can sometimes be a little bit off. However, since Tristan and I are in a good place, it, it's even more accepted that Kim is so supportive of him. Right. I think that's what she was aiming for. I think so too. It just, yeah, definitely didn't come. Sometimes I'll catch them and they'll say something in a confessional. I'll be like, that didn't really make sense, but I won't nitpick at it because I know what you mean. But this one was, I was like, okay, I think you really should have refilmed this. Well, also, I mean, I just think how many confessionals are these people doing? Not everyone's going to make sense. They're, you know what I mean? There has to be oh, one or two. Yeah. I mean, listen, if I was doing them, none of them would make sense. So I'm, I'm not judging here. That's not true, Julie. You're more eloquent than you give yourself credit for. Anyway. So Chloe says back to Kim, but no, it's crazy that this world is that sick that they would think you would go, you would go and your husband would go to a game deliberately with the intent of booing True's dad. But that's the world that we live in, which I just have to say, I don't exactly remember what we said when we recorded our episode on that. I just have to choose to believe you and I didn't for a second believe that Kim was booing him. No, we didn't. I, I, well, I know for a fact that I didn't, I would be shocked if you had thought that. I don't even remember fully talking about it because I think we both thought it was a stupid headline. It was. I mean, come on. If you know anything about Kim, you just know that that's not the way that she operates. If anything, she's gotten herself in trouble in the past for being too buddy-buddy with Tristan. So we are now introduced to the second plot line of, you know, as we all know, Kim has very intense arachnophobia. She's terrified of spiders. And of course, North, just so on brand for North, loves spiders and wants nothing more than a pet spider because I think North at her very young age just consistently gives Kim a run for her money in the best way possible. Like I think she's just this exciting kind of little person that is just so fun, yet also really, really, it does not make it easy for Kim. Well, I thought it was so funny that Chloe's presenting it like it's such a coincidence that Kim hates spiders and they're North's favorite thing in the entire world. Like North loves spiders because Kim hates spiders. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or at least she may have had an affinity towards them, yet Kim's hatred slash fear of them is something that definitely makes her like them more. Like if you watch North throughout these scenes when they bring the spider and Kim freaks out, like... It's not that North gets enjoyment from the spider. She's getting enjoyment from watching Kim freak the fuck out every time she sees one. Yeah. Oh, North. That, girl's, that girl could take over the world if she wanted to, I'm telling you. I, she, she just might, Em. She just might. She just might. Although Stormy with that Bergen backpack is in a close second. Oh, my God. You are correct, kid. Yeah. Okay, next scene, Kim is in her confessional and she's talking about how she's doing interviews for the Justice Project, which of course we've all seen by now is a documentary on justice reform. And she's saying how the goal is really to show how people who have committed crimes can be rehabilitated and you know, give people kind of second chances. By the way, I just want to say it's very, not that this is something that should be congratulated because this is how everyone should speak, but it's very clear that Kim is intentional in her rhetoric, meaning you never hear her say um, felons or criminals. She always says people who have been committed of a crime or people who have been formerly incarcerated. She doesn't really say inmates. She does. She's very intentional with the rhetoric she uses. 
Yes, it's it's people first language that she uses. You're hundred exactly. percent correct. And it's exactly. very, very purposeful. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, Kim is in this interview in the documentary talking about how she's raising black sons and how unfair the criminal justice system is and you know how much she learned from Alice Johnson and just in her confessional, she's really saying how deep of a connection she feels towards Alice and the relationship they have, which we see play out through the rest of the episode. But that's something that we have always, I think, thought was really special and kind of unique, their, their bond. Yeah, and it has definitely grown because as you you know see as this episode progresses, Alice has also gotten really involved in helping Kim and the criminal justice reform. So you know, this isn't like a situation where Kim just feels this connection to her because, you know, she really went to bat for her and did this amazing thing. Their connection remains because they continue to tackle this together. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting because if you're just looking at the situation blindly and you only know the facts of like, this person helped this person get out of prison. I think you would feel like Alice feels so indebted to Kim, which in a lot of ways she does. However, that admiration and that kind of like respect is incredibly mutual because I think in a lot of ways, Kim feels like Alice was the the person that, that um, intensified her connection with this mission. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Like, you know, Alice's story was the catalyst for, this whole thing that Kim has, you know, going and set in motion. So yeah, Kim did something incredible for Alice and changed her whole life and got her out of prison. And, you know, Alice will always have Kim for that. But what Alice did for Kim was allow her to find her connection to the system and allow her to explore more, which has set her on a path of a, you know, probably of, equal importance in terms of self-fulfillment. Exactly, exactly. It's, you can tell that they, they really care deeply about each other. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the Viral Turquoise Tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So next scene, we're at Scott's house and Kim comes to get Scott, asks if he's ready to go. And Scott's again, you know, I'm just really tired. I'd rather stay here. And she says, what are the symptoms of the coronavirus? And Scott says, I don't know, but I don't think I have it because I haven't been around that many people. She's like, well, you are tired a lot. 
And in his confessional, Scott says, it's starting to come out on the news that there's this really dangerous virus called Corona that's coming out and everyone's starting to get really sick. I didn't travel to Paris for Fashion Week because I was worried about it and I don't know who has it and who doesn't. Some are showing symptoms, some aren't. This feeling of exhaustion has come out of nowhere and I really can't seem to shake it. I highly doubt it's Corona and it's really just affecting my life. I'm kind of worried about it. And again, we see the news reports flash on the screen at this point saying there were just over 100 cases, six confirmed deaths. And I think, you know, we'll continue to talk about this, but this very much plays into what we were talking about last episode of like, of course, now we're watching this thinking like, how could they be doing all these things? We see Kim hugging these people, which is something, you know, now the idea of a hug just sounds terrifying, but it is interesting to see how they viewed it because the way that they viewed it was how the rest of us viewed it. Right. Like we didn't know any better. It's so crazy because anytime I watch anything now, even if it's filmed 15 years ago and I'm watching an old movie, like I cannot wrap my head around the idea of people hanging out in an enclosed space without masks. I forget what that's like and I forget what it feels like and I forget that it was ever a thing. And it's not even that I've become so accustomed and so used to it that it feels natural. Like I still do that thing where I'll start to walk out and be like, fuck my mask. But like, I guess because if I were to walk into somewhere and see people in an enclosed space without a mask, I would feel so anxious. I wouldn't be able to stay in there, obviously, that watching people do that on TV elicits that anxiousness. It's not that it elicits like me being like, oh, my God, that's so weird. It just makes me feel so anxious to watch them, even though I know that there's nothing wrong because it wasn't an issue then. Julie, I feel the same way. I have that experience every week that I watch Housewives. They're so close. They're touching, they're hugging. And I'm just like, oh my God. And then I have to remind myself like this wasn't a thing at the time. But I think with Kardashians, it's really, really amplified because we know that it was a threat and they just were as naive as the rest of us were. Like if, if if they knew then what they know now, Kim would have never gone to the White House with that crowd. You know what I mean? With No, of course not. She would have never been sitting in in the car maskless. Of course, it, it ended up being fine. I, I think it did, but you're so right. It, it's it's very kind of anxiety provoking in a weird way. And it's also the same feeling that we were kind of talking about last week, where you're watching them like talk about these low case case numbers or relatively low case numbers compared to what we have now, and you're like watching them start to get a little bit anxious about it, and you're like, oh my god, like. They have no idea how bad this is about to get. Like, we literally just have to sit here and watch, you know, a TV show where you can't even warn them what's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's, um, (laughs) you do feel very helpless, I gotta say. I can't think of something like that I can relate watching this to because. You know, usually you have things where they occur before a disaster and you're like, oh, that's so weird to like think about in retrospect, like old movies where you see the Twin Towers or like, you know, old, you know, movies before some sort of natural disaster hit or something hit like, you you know, but those are events that happens like in a split moment. It's not like you're ever really watching something and watching it play out over months and months and months with the hindsight of the knowledge that you have now. It's so weird. I can't like, I know other people are experiencing this because we're all in the same boat, but it's just like one of those things that you can't really put into words. No, you can. And and that's because it's never happened in our lifetimes or our parents' lifetimes. Right. Anyway, so... Scott is just still saying, you know, I don't feel sick, but I just feel tired. I want to feel healthy. I don't think this is what a normal 36-year-old feels like. And Kim is telling him, I want you to get your blood work by this guy. He'll tell you what everything is going on. 
And he says, you know, I don't want to go to the doctor and have them tell me that there's something seriously wrong. And Kim says, well, wouldn't you rather know because something is seriously wrong and you find out in the early stages, then you have the chance to beat it. Information is key. If you wait too long, then you're going to be screwed. And I have a thought on that, but in his confessional, Scott says, I'm definitely a drop nervous to do all these blood panels because I've put this vessel through a lot of trauma. I'm not going to lie. Of course, then the screen flashes back to him being drunk and him you know, fighting and being just that, the, the different kind of Scott, just showing all the things that his body went through. And long story short, of course, he decides it's better to know than not to know. So Kim gets the doctor. But what I want to say is, I definitely think that probably the majority of his fear of getting checked out was because he knows what he has put his body through in the past. I think there's also just the natural human reaction of like, it's better not to know. Right. But I, uh, trying to phrase how I want to say this. I don't want to put words in his mouth and I'm not saying he feels this way. I am just saying it is very common that people who have lost parents at a young age, specifically suddenly and traumatically like he has, develop a real fear around medical treatment. One, a distrust in the medical system, but also a fear of what could be uncovered in their own scans or their own tests. So I'm not saying that that's what's going on for him here. Absolutely. Although it could be happening on a subconscious level. Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, I that's that's kind of what my um, initial thought were, was. I think that I think it was mixed. I think there was a part of him that was scared that he was going to response that it was something that he did to himself that it's you know too late to fix or that it's something that he's going to then feel guilty about you know putting onto himself. But I definitely think his parents played a huge role in in him not wanting to go to the doctor. Like I'm not going to say it was a full fear of the doctor. But it, there is definitely more hesitation there than you would expect. Yeah, and I do think a lot of that can be at a subconscious level. And again, I, I can't speak for him, and I can only speak for myself. But I noticed that happening with me. You know. Like yeah, I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So next scene, we're at Kim's house. We're in the kitchen, and it's Chloe and Kim. Chicago walks in. Listen, we don't get Chicago a lot. That kid, Julia. What do we she, do? No, she's angelic. She's the most beautiful, just like little angel I've ever seen. And I just, every time she comes on, I just get so happy. And I also feel like extra fertile. I feel like I just need a kid. I am. What have I been telling you? I know. I really, come on. What an, what an angel. I, she is really, there are certain um, confessionals of Kim though, where I'm like, oh my God, Chicago is your fucking twin. It's scary. It is scary. They have strong genes, stronger than I realized. Yeah, clearly. I mean, I think the other kids are kind of a mix. Like I could sometimes North, you know, North looks a lot like Kanye, but there are certain lights where I catch North and I'm like, oh my God, you're Kim. But Chicago is scarily Kim. Yeah, no, she really is. So of course, this is now where the tarantulas get introduced. Chloe says she has a surprise. She has a wrangler. A wrangler is a person who babysits tarantulas. And, you know, Chloe frames this like she's trying to get Kim to conquer her fear of spiders, which clearly it's just entertainment purposes. I personally did find it entertaining, so I wasn't upset about it. Mike, the spider wrangler, comes into the house with two tarantulas. North and Penelope come in. Obviously, North is having the time of her life. She wants a spider on her head. She wants a spider everywhere. And in their confessional, this is the one where Kim is in that blue outfit with the hair half up, half down. And Chloe's in the off-white with the sleek back hair. By the way... I really think it's one of their best looks together. Totally agree. 
I said it last time, like I knew what they were going to look like. This wasn't a new confessional look, but I again was blown away by how gorgeous Kim is. Oh my God. I said that to you today that who like Isabel sent a story of her and I was like, she's so gorgeous. I actually just got flustered by it. Because Kim is naturally beautiful. So anyway, Kim is saying spiders in my house. Like you're inviting my fear to come into my home. How would you feel if I bought a whale to your pool? Which who knew? Did we know this previously that Chloe's biggest fear was whales? No, she said it in that like earlier scene where they're talking about it and the, the spider fear first gets, you know, introduced. And I like I never heard that before. I've never heard of anybody being afraid of whales, honestly. I am. You're afraid of I think you're just afraid of the ocean. Yeah, but sharks and whales specifically. Whales, aren't they harmless? Yeah, I definitely think they're harmless. I'm not, I just, I think I'm just afraid of things that are that big. Like I'm not afraid to the point where I would see one in, on TV and get afraid. But if I was in a boat or in the ocean, I wouldn't necessarily love to be confronted with one. Um, what about dolphins? No, I'm not afraid of dolphins. I really like dolphins. I, I mean, I'm sick though. Like I'm not like him. She, She's, you know, terrified of tarantulas. She doesn't want it anywhere near her. My biggest fear is great white, sh- great white sharks. However, on my bucket list is, you know, diving with great white sharks in like South Africa. Yeah. The, you, I yeah like, you're like weird like that. I know. I have that weird adrenaline thing. You do. And I don't blame you for it, but like, I don't know. I, I don't blame you for it. The spider thing like was really like hard for me to watch. Those were a different level. Like, what the fuck? Who wants a tarantula crawling all over them? I don't get it. I mean, I, I can't relate. I'm not even that deathly afraid of spiders, and I just can't relate. Like, I just, would you let one crawl on you? Yeah, I would let one crawl on my hand. You would let one crawl on you? I'm not phased by that kind of stuff. It's a giant, hairy spider. I know, but I would listen. Okay, let me explain something to you. If I'm by myself and I happen to see a tarantula, I am walking very swiftly in the opposite direction. I'm not going to run, but I'm going to take a brisk walk. However, if I'm there with a trained professional, this guy's livelihood is wrangling spiders and he wants to put the motherfucker on my arm for a minute, I'm not going to freak out. He's right there. Oh my God, I'm sweating. I'm so anxious. I'm like picking all of my nails off. Okay, well, first of all, that is ridiculous and you're letting the spider ruin your manicure. <laughs> We're not going to let that happen. I don't have right now. So what are you picking at? My, just my nails. Julie, if you're going to let this fucking tarantula ruin your nail beds, that's, that's on you. <laughs> I know it's on me, but it's just like, they're scary. I just don't get how, like the idea of it crawling on you is making me, I can't even squirm. And well, it's not even me I'm picturing. The good news is that we are not going to be in a situation where we're going to be prompted to have a tarantula crawl on us. So we can just you forget can't that. do that to me. Do you promise? I literally promise you, I would I would take you to the cuddle sanctuary first. I'll go to the cuddle sanctuary first. Yeah, don't worry. Pinky promise, right? I swear to you. Okay. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. 
Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Okay, we briefly flashed to Scott getting his blood work done, but the next scene really comes when Kim is meeting Alice and three other women in the lobby of the Four Seasons DC. And you can tell that they are all so excited to see Kim, but specifically Alice. She says, like, I was just reading your Twitter. They were so great. Like, you can tell that um, she really just lights up when Kim walks in. And I definitely think that that same excitement is reciprocated by Kim, you know? Definitely. Definitely. So every time they see each other, they kind of do the same thing, which is really nice to see. Yeah. So in our confessional, Kim says, today I'm going to the White House with three women that Alice Johnson and I helped pardon. I'm meeting with these three women for the first time, which is amazing. There's definitely talk of the coronavirus circulating, but we felt completely comfortable traveling. Even though the virus is so unknown, I'm not going to ruin it for them. So they go to the White House. They're introducing him to the president. And in her confessional, Kim says, I think it's important in order for big policy to be changed, to really put a face to a name or a face with an issue or a face with a crime, to have people understand that these women could be a family member, could be your neighbor. These women are just like you or I. That, again, that is a really, really important point, which they talk about a lot in criminal justice reform, like humanizing these people and understanding that like cases are not just cases. There are people behind these that have families and have lives. And even just her, like t- to me, what she's doing is clearly important, but even just airing it on a show, like Keeping Up, that has a very large audience that a lot of people honestly probably don't have that much access to understanding not access to understanding, but don't have that much drive to understand the criminal justice system or to hear how important these little things are. And I think her putting that on television, I get that it's a good look for her, but I also think it's like a good thing for her to do because it's informative. Yeah. So Alice is saying to the other women, Kim has been advocating for all three of you like crazy. And Kim says, but Miss Alice was the one that really helped find you guys. And it was really important to her. And in her confessional, Kim says, Crystal got a 20-year sentence for the intent and the conspiracy to distribute marijuana, and she served 12 years. Judith got a 35-year sentence for conspiracy and intent to commit Medicare fraud. She spent nine years. Therese was sentenced to 35 years for a nonviolent drug conspiracy because her boyfriend was using her house to sell drugs in. Which, like, again, she didn't have to take that one minute to explain these women's previous offenses, but it was so important for her to because... Clearly, the the you know just discrepancy between what they did or what they allegedly did versus the time they got is ridiculous. And I think like that's a perfect example of her just using that extra minute to bring that you know public awareness. Right. And I think that with Kim, it's really important to her to like to appeal to like both. I think that it's really important for Kim that she appeals to everybody, not just one part of people who believe in criminal justice reform, but really expand it across the board so that everyone can sympathize with this issue because it is an issue that everyone can sympathize with. So once you have these cases and you can put an unjust amount of time with a low level crime, it really, really helps people understand that injustice rather than just telling them that there is injustice. 
Exactly, exactly. So they're in the car now, they're on their way to the White House and they're kind of just all talking about the importance of you know, these women really getting in there and meeting the key players. And you know, one of the women at the meeting says, Kim Kardashian, you are a warrior. And Alice is saying that, you know, she doesn't just want to bring more people home, but she wants to change how society looks at returning citizens. And Judith is talking about how her offense was the first time white collar offense. And she says, I can't even express in words what you've done for me. You've given me a second chance. You've given me a life, one that I didn't fully expect I was going to have. And you just see like all of these women speaking about what a blessing it is to be reunited with their family and almost this sense of disbelief that they're in this situation, which I can understand. Like the, you know, they went really talk about, talk about a 180, you know? Right. And I think Alice says it when they're kind of standing outside the White House and, and everyone's kind of shuffling in and they're waiting to to go in. And Alice says to Kim, like, it's unbelievable. Like two two weeks ago, these people were behind bars and now they're standing at the White House with Kim Kardashian. And I was like, yeah, that is such a fucking surreal moment. It was, it is. And even um, in the, one of the earlier scenes when I think it was Judith was saying, you know, it's so crazy to shower without shoes. Like such a small thing that just shows how recently she was incarcerated. Yeah, it was at, um, it was when they're at lunch in the, in the next scene, she says that. Oh, oh, I thought it was in the lobby. Yeah. Next scene, Scott's getting his IV and he's saying, you know, he wants to do this while he's waiting for his results because he says it's restoring his cells, it's restoring his body, getting more energy, et cetera. And the drip that he's getting is five to six hours. So the person that's in charge of administering it comes in to speak to him, asks him if he's had a stressful life, which I thought was an interesting question because I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone living in America today that wouldn't answer yes to that. Like, I think that stress is just has become, unfortunately, the norm, of course, for different people more intensely. But I just think like stress is the general bar that your average public feels. Yeah, it was a weirdly worded question. I mean, I I think when doctors ask that question, they typically ask, like, are you under any more stress right now? Or has your body experienced any trauma? Or like, do you have any, you know, past experiences with an over amount of stress? Not just like, have you had a stressful life? Like everyone's had some element of a stressful life. Yeah. So Scott says, I mean, I had a couple I had a stressful couple of years. And the doctor said, when you use drugs or you have stress in your life, you have medical problems. You need to, you need NAD to repair that. So you need to refill your swimming pool, sort of. And in his confessional, Scott says, I feel like there's definitely been some stress in my life. Missing my parents, it's really hard. My life hasn't always been easy. I used to drink and party and go out a ton. So my body, it's been through some rough waters. It's taken some pretty bad beatings. I never thought there was a possibility any of that stuff could affect me in the long run. So I'm definitely scared to get my results back. Which kind of goes back to our previous thing. Like, it was definitely a combination of a bunch of things, but the guilt that Scott feels for the time in his life when he was really reckless and behaving in a way that he's clearly not proud of extends far more than just on a like person-to-person emotional level. Clearly, he even feels guilty for the potential negative health effects that he did to his body. Like, And it's a constant reminder of those times. So I think being in this situation was triggering for a lot of reasons, like the parent element, but also it's potentially the clearest reminder of a part of himself that he's really trying to forget about. Yeah, of course. And also when you're not feeling well, like when you're really tired and you just don't feel like yourself, like all of those, you know, feelings and emotions are so exacerbated where like Scott obviously struggles with stuff 
probably on the regular. And I think that, you know, we can assume that it's probably gotten worse in recent times. And I think he's kind of spoken about that since, you know, he spoke about his parents on the show and, and whatever. But when you're sick and you really don't feel well, and especially that kind of like, so tired, your body hurts, like those things start to come out more and more because you start to mimic, like your body starts to mimic the feelings that you have when you're depressed. And I think that, you know, your brain obviously adjusts to that as well. And I think that that's also what Scott was going through. Yes, I absolutely think that that was the case. I do. I thought he had Lyme. I wouldn't have been, I, I was, it's, I had that same thought process, but it, I mean, that could have been a later plot line, but they didn't test for that, I don't think. No, I'm sure they did when they did the initial blood tests, but well, that's the other thing is why, not to get on too much of a Lyme rant here, but that's why a lot of it goes undiagnosed because in places like California, ticks aren't common, so they don't think to test for it. As opposed to like here, where if you're really tired, the first thing they'll test for is Lyme. So they're at lunch and they're kind of just reflecting on their experience at the White House. And it was a really beautiful moment. Like I, it was for such a big day and clearly for all of them, such a big deal. It seemed relatively casual. Like, didn't it seem kind of like they had known each other? Yeah, it did. It was comfortable, I guess is probably the better. Yes. Comfortable is a better word. I think, I do think that that's a skill set that Kim has. Um, yeah. Cause I think something that I've always been really interested in and celebrities have spoken about this of like when you're meeting someone and this is a bit of a unique situation because there's such a deeper connection, but like when you're a very famous person and you are meeting people, you're not meeting them in their most normal selves. Like there, I think it was John actually on the podcast that said like, people meet me when they're the most lizard brained, you know, people aren't in there necessarily um, the way that they would act normally. And I think that Kim, these women happen to, you would have never known, like everything was very kind of normal, but I do think that Kim has probably gotten really used to understanding how to interact with people in a way that makes them feel comfortable because she's acknowledging what this moment must mean for them. But I do think that that's a specific skill that Kim has always had. Yes, I agree. No, I agree. But I'm saying every celebrity, not every celebrity has the skill, but every celebrity deals with people meeting them when they're not in their normal form. Yes. And I think that with most celebrities, it's like they, not all, but there's definitely a lot of celebrities where they're they're going to put on a face to meet you, where they kind of have to act like a like a bubblier, faker, like a different version of themselves for just a moment, and you're not getting their authentic self. I think the thing with Kim that's so special is that you're getting the authentic version of her, but she's able to conform her personality to be what you need it to be in that moment. Yeah, it's a very it, yeah. She's a Libra. What do you want? Now Kim's in the car. She's FaceTiming Chris. She's telling her how everything went. And Chris is like, so is there any news on Corona? And Kim's like, you know, they're just saying not to touch your eyes, your mouth, not to shake hands. Flashback to early 10 minutes ago when she's hugging everyone, but fine. (laughs) And in her confessional, Kim's like, as of right now, the coronavirus is mainly overseas. It's just starting to come to the United States. I'm at the White House. so Of course, I'm going to ask what's going on. It seems like there's a lot they're doing behind the scenes. So I hope that it doesn't continue to spread. (laughs) narrator there was not a lot there did you just say narrator fucking kidding me (laughs) (laughs) no i literally what the fuck how are we're i feel like we're in each other's brains i do we are sometimes that was awesome that was like really great (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, yeah, narrator. <laughs> there was not a lot going on behind the scenes. Anyway, so Kim's Chris is saying how proud she is, and Chris is like, you know, you should have a new show called Kim Kardashian Goes to Washington. And Kim's like, maybe Kim and Chloe take DC. Oh, I, I love it. Love a reference. Love a reference to a previous show. What could be better? Ah, and I love that she said Chloe. Yeah, me too. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainor, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Next scene, Kim and Chloe are looking for kids' clothes. This is just bullshit. I have nothing else to say. It was adorable, the clothes they were picking out. Chloe basically asks to go to the bathroom, and when she does it, she puts this tarantula in Kim's Range Rover. So when they get back in the car, Kim looks in her passenger seat, and there's a tarantula seatbelted in. Not even in a cage. In a cage, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I I assume that people watch this, but if not, the tarantula was in the cage. Yeah. I just like, (laughs) this is what what I don't have patience for. It was fun to watch, but it's bullshit. Like, yeah, there's nothing to talk about with it. Yeah. Next scene. Next caller. Next caller. (laughs) So, next scene, we're at Scott's house. Kim is there. And in his confessional, Scott says, So the doctor calls me, and it turns out I have low testosterone. And that's what's making me have low energy. You know, I'm very thankful there was nothing serious. It could be from a number of reasons. So my doctor suggested that I meet with a nutritionist who did a more detailed blood test to find out why my testosterone is so low and to see exactly what's working and what's not on my body. Okay, listen. Low testosterone can be from a lot of things and also can cause a lot of things. However, not always, but one of the common side effects of low testosterone is a lower sex drive. Uh, Of course, my first thought is from a purely curiosity perspective, I wonder if that was going on. No idea, just curiosity. Can't help it. Can't help it. I so agree with you. So nutritionist is saying that clinically low testosterone for men is below 300 and that Scott is 229, which is a fairly low score. And, you know, he's just saying something clearly is going off. I thought that this was kind of like a sweet moment. 
he's saying all these things and Kim's like, you know, you should really write this down. And Scott's like, will you write it down? Yeah, it was, it was cute. I thought I said that this was like a really cute, like sweet moment. I just like their, I just love their relationship. Me too. Me too. And I think that we don't get to see it enough. I have to say though, something that I was like, not to, I swear this is not my Courtney and Scott Stan self coming out. I'm genuinely just curious. I would have thought if there was one person to be there for Scott with these conversations, it would have been Courtney, not because of their relationship, just because of her um, obsession with health and wellness. And like, I feel like she would be so interested in all of this and want to, you know, would be the best person to kind of receive the news. I, w- I, I agree with you, but I will say that I think that if you're Scott and you're going into it with a very open mind about what needs to be done and like if a doctor's sitting here saying do this, it's the best option for you and it's not the natural or homeopathic way of doing it, then I think that Scott would have wanted somebody who was the most logical person to be there with him to be able to say, okay, whatever the doctors say, that's what we're going to try. Whatever they think is best, whatever you're most comfortable with, let's do that. Rather than having Courtney there being like, well, I read about this. And I think if you do this, then like you should be doing this. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's very like that. So I think that Scott wanted a very calming, rational figure rather than somebody that was going to possibly influence his decision one way or another. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. And I agree with that. I was also wondering if Sophia was willing to be filmed, would she be the one that was sitting in that seat? Because, you know, typically you would imagine that the person that you're spending the most time with in your home, if these changes have to be made from your nutrition would be the person that would be there. So I was just curious. I don't know if there's any legitimacy to that. I'm just saying the things that were going through my mind. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, and I'm sure that at this point, Sophia was definitely involved with something. But then again, we don't know what their relationship was like at this point. It could have been, you know, starting to fall apart here. True. Anyway, next scene, we're at Kim's house. And, you know, North loves this one, this one uh, wildlife expert, Coyote Peterson. And like, it's just so funny the way that they talk about things with this casual attitude. Kim's like, you know, North loves Coyote Peterson. So naturally coyote peterson is at the house like i know i know we're all unfazed by this because this is just something that so frequently happens and honestly if you have the money and you have the opportunity to give that to your kids why not give them that great experience it's just i don't even think that they realize anymore how like that isn't the norm for everyone for most people if their kid loves this they're going to watch a lot of youtube videos and maybe they'll let them airplay it but like it's just so (laughs) natural that they like this person and he shows up you know right of course yeah So anyway, of course, this is now when Kim is making the deal with North of like, if I play with this tarantula, if I let it touch me, you have to promise. Not only is the conversation about us getting a spider out of the question, but also you're going to be not going to have tantrums, this, that, fine. So North agrees. And you can see, like you were saying earlier, she is giddy at the idea of Kim having this tarantula crawling all over her. And it was just like a really fun moment. Like I, I just enjoyed this scene so much. Oh my God, we had very different approaches to this scene. I was like, if my kids even think for one second. Really? Yes. Our kids are not doing this, Em. No, no, if you want my kid at your house without me there and you're going to do some weird shit like this, fine. But they're not coming to my house to play with spiders. Truly, I I obviously am not like, I feel like this episode is really warping my view and people may think that I'm some sort of a tarantula advocate. I would just like to clarify that's not what's going on here. I respect them. I want them to live. But like, I'm not trying to get them in my house. However, to watch Kim Kardashian have this tarantula crawl on her so that North doesn't get one, like, yeah, I liked it. 
I mean, yeah, I liked it too. I'm not crazy. Like it was funny, of course, but like I, I, if I think about what I would have done in that scenario for one second, I would, I wouldn't have let it. So it's just funny watching it, knowing that I'm like sitting here. I'm like, there's nothing, there's nothing North could do to make me say okay to this. I was like, the price was not high enough and Kim should have gotten more out of her. But you know what I'm thinking? Like North is so powerful. Like, (laughs) you know, like what's what's so crazy about this is if there's one thing that we, uh, if there's one thing that we know about Kim throughout the years, perhaps her most consistent thing has been her debilitating fear of spiders. So to me, I'm like, wow, North really is that bitch. Like North is really the one that's going to get her to have a tarantula and not just like a daddy long legs. We're in a whole other category here. We're not talking about a little spider. We're not talking about a daddy long legs. We're talking about a motherfucking tarantula crawling up and down Kim and at one point on her head because her fucking five or six-year-old daughter is like, you know, she's afraid of her. It's, it was hilarious in that realm. I'm not telling my kids about Northwest. No, we can't. We can't. They're going to get away with everything. She, no she can teach a class. I don't know. That girl's got power. I know. She has Chris Jenner deep, deep in those. Yeah. She's got Chris, Kim, and Kanye DNA. That girl will get away with anything. Exactly. So next scene, we're at Scott's house. He's holding Hirsch outside. Chris comes. It's just adorable. Scott's like, oh, she's very excited to see you. Chris is like, of course, everybody is. And Scott's like, you know, you're big in the dog world and the human world. And Chris goes, that's right. That's who I am. Hey, I could be your manager. It was just funny. It was just a funny back and forth. And, you know, Scott's talking about all of the bearings that his body took over the years from drinking and partying and running around that it can't be perfect. And he was saying how the testosterone is low and he's trying to get it better and just researching kind of how to get his levels back naturally, et cetera. And I think Chris is, you know, proud of him for being healthy and proactive. And in a lot of ways, this was a very maternal role she was taking on, which she does a lot of like talking, you know, talking to him about his health struggles. And I just, there's really nothing to say here other than it was a sweet moment. Yeah. I I appreciate any sort of maternal Chris and Scott situation. And I think that's exactly what Scott needed. Yeah. Um, And anyway, last scene, we end at Chloe's house. Scott's there. This is just fucking stupid. I don't know what to tell you. She opens her door. It's completely filled with inflatable inflatable uh, whale pool toys as Kim's way of getting back at her for the tarantulas. Not even going to engage in this because it's just stupid. But, Julie. What? There's always next week. Can I say what I did like about this one stupid scene was that I thought it was funny that Kim and Scott didn't even engage in it. They were just like, Kim is so stupid. This isn't even funny. I know. Well, because I think they were like, listen, bitch, we're the pranksters around here. Like they were making fun of Kim. Scott's like, you know what's so funny is that she probably did this and thought it was the funniest shit in the entire world. And and Chloe was like, yeah, I can literally hear her laughing to herself. Like, oh my God, they're going to, they're going to be so surprised by this one. And they're like, this is the worst prank ever. Like that is what I appreciated because I, it was a stupid, stupid scene, but at least Chloe and Scott weren't trying to make it what it wasn't. Like they knew how dumb Kim's prank was. Yeah, exactly. You're right. I, Julie, recently you've really been kind of like a, a glass half fuller and um, I'm loving the side of you. You think? That's so interesting. I don't know. Recently you've been kind of optimistic and I appreciate it. Oh, I love that for me. Me too. Anyway, anything else you'd like to add about anything? Stormy's Birkin. Um, I don't know. Anything? No, I think that's it. I love Stormy and her little Birkin bag. Sorry. I know. It's ridiculous and completely out of touch and 
insane, but like, what, what, and now we're going to start like, come on. This yeah. Is like I, I trust me. I understand the tone deaf nature of the post. Don't think I don't. However, there's just too many other things going on right now. I, I'm just going to enjoy Stormy's Birkin and I'm just not going <laughs> to, I can't focus my energy on that. Like, you know, I so agree with you. I yeah. so agree with you. Yeah. Anyway, we love you guys so, so, so much. Um, couple of little things that I wanted to mention. It was national podcast day today and we were or yesterday and we were on Justin Sylvester's podcast, just the sip. So definitely check that out. We adore Justin. We've had him on our show a lot of times. And so to be able to go on his was just so much fun. He's truly like one of the best people we know. And also on Monday's episode, um, we recorded a 30 minute segment with Simon Huck this week that we're going to put into the end of Monday's episode. Also really great. He has a new podcast called Emergency Contact. Talked about that, talked about Judy, talked about Kim and Courtney and Addison, and it was really fun. And um, yeah, also Isabel and I's Bravo Potomac Super Show is out. Seriously, if you're a Potomac or Bravo watcher, listen, we did so much research. We worked really hard on that episode and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. And um, we love you guys. We will see you on Monday for our regular episode. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.